You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Home prices, they are on the rise on average in the top 20 U.S. cities tracked by the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Home Price Index. The 20-city property values index increased 5.1% from June of last year. It matched the median forecast. It's the smallest gain since August, and that's probably no small comfort to you if you're trying to buy a home in a city like Seattle or San Francisco or so many where the market is so very, very hot. Let's bring in Brendan Brown now. He's chief economist and head of economic research at Mitsubishi UFJ Securities to talk about home prices, talking about the housing market, the Fed and the markets, and and a bit too about uh, what is driving and what has driven prices so much higher in some cities. Brendan, welcome back to the show. And thank you for having me. So let's start with uh, what we're seeing in the latest Case-Shiller Home Price Index. It rose just over 5%. Uh, it is uh, the smallest gain since August. And it, it does seem to sort of look like it's leveled out a bit. How do you analyze it? Yes, I would say it's a very heterogeneous picture. And um, what we are seeing is the most expensive part of the real estate market is where the softening is occurring. And um, that may very well be in Manhattan. And, of course, the Northeast was one of the weaker areas in the Case-Shiller report today. So um, it's very much um, case by case. But I think the overall froth, um, in some cases, has actually diminished a little. Why do you think that's happened? I think the overriding issue in uh, Manhattan and Florida, for example, has been the increased monitoring by the U.S. Treasury Department of foreign purchases, particularly through offshore companies. And that really was a very important part of both the storytelling in in those markets and also in terms of the biggest transactions. You know, uh, Brendan, you recently poo-pooed in National Mortgage News uh, the role that uh, foreign money has played the last few years over this um, extreme price appreciation. Uh, I have interviewed many people in Boston, real estate agent, uh, in California, a demographic expert, many people saying that, in fact, there has definitely been an influx of foreign money. And at least on the margin, it has contributed to some pretty outsized gains in home prices. You're blaming this on the media, which strikes me as kind of odd, because it seems to me there's a lot of people who know this market very well who would disagree with you. Absolutely. The foreign demand has been a significant element in the flows. And we see that in some of the hottest markets. I mentioned Manhattan earlier. If you cross over to Canada, we have the notorious bubble, if one wants to describe it as that, in Vancouver, where Chinese billionaires buying there has, has been very much part of the story. But what I, what I do in that recent article you, you mentioned is one has to step back in any speculative market like this and realize that there's huge stocks of these assets being held, um, which are many times greater than the flows. And even in looking at the flows for Chinese buying in Vancouver or the foreign buying in Manhattan probably doesn't account for more than 10 or 20 percent of the flows. So what you have to ask when you get a big price appreciation, why there isn't more um, indigestion or selling of those who already hold stock and have made the big price appreciation. 
And, and that's where I make the connection with this whole environment of zero interest rates or very low interest rates. That creates a climate where investors, even if they see a big gain and they realize a big gain, are reluctant to take them um, because the alternative is uh, so, so un, unexciting, um, whether, whether it's cash or, any, or, or, or short-term bonds. So, so the the normal the normal mechanisms which tend to keep these stories in check or the ex, excess price fluctuations doesn't work so well in this mm. environment of monetary distortion. So, uh, quick, I'm going to get a couple of quick questions in here. Number one, uh, Stanley Fisher, vice chair of the Fed, says that the negative rates seem to be working in many countries. Do you agree that zero or negative rates are a good idea for central bankers? Absolutely not. I mean, negative interest rates, as practiced in Europe and Japan, are basically tools of currency depreciation. And um, even there, they haven't really uh, been as effective as we can see with the big rebound of the yen we've had this year. Um, they create a lot of anxiety. In Germany, you're probably getting more savings because desperation among citizens about how they're going to save for their pensions. And you get a lot of distortions, as, as in real estate markets and other asset markets, and in, 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 in particularly in private equity. So you get so much distortion, malinvestment, and potential bubbles, which will subsequently burst, that it's a very non-optimal path to take. All right. Well, Brendan Brown, I, my question, too, is about the Federal Reserve. We'll save that for your next appearance on Taking Stock. So nice of you to join us today. Uh, very, very interesting comments about the housing market and what is driving it from Brendan Brown. He's chief economist and head of economic research at Mitsubishi UFJ Securities. Up next, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. You know him, right? Well, he's got a new company he's involved in, Shark Reach. Very interesting. This is Bloomberg. 